Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, a.k.a. MFKS Radio on the Airwaves Dial at 487.52. Your pond is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who have been brought back to life by Jax Teller holding a baby. (laughs) Yes, that is very true. The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Hello, hello. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy well that's the one and only time i'll ever impersonate ross geller in my life so here we are um hello thank god for that welcome to another summertime episode there's a hockey <laughs> game on right now uh and the arizona coyotes are playing and if you're new here that means that we're watching because taylor hall is playing so sorry yeah this is this is already going to be a problem for me just talking to you and also watching television at the same time yeah i i can watch like dumb like hallmark movies and things while we're doing this because you don't have to pay attention to the hallmark movies um but the hockey game there may be some silences and i'm we're just going to apologize ahead of time there's going to be some silences and then some fuck yeah And also maybe some cheering, hopefully. That would be that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be super nice. Ideally. Um, Ideally. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of, oh, why? Who are you passing to? Is a very common phrase that is heard in my house when I'm watching hockey. Oh. Yeah. Mine is just more like, uh It's just resigned. <laughs> resigned size. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk about Jack Teller holding the baby and why that's a thing that we love. Okay, so you have been finishing season four. Yeah, I have two episodes left in season four of Sons of Anarchy, which we've talked you, about before. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We, I I believe last week I went on a rant about how they're so fucking stupid. Yes. Um. Now, you texted me yesterday. The plots are so convoluted. (laughs) What is happening? And I replied, I believe, which one? Tara? Clay? Wayne? Gemma? Jax? Wendy? Like, which... Which plot? (laughs) Which plot line are you wondering about right now? Um, And what is your thoughts on season four? So, okay... I have many thoughts about what I've been watching. Uh, mm-hmm. And here's the thing I think that's really um, bugging me about it, I think is maybe the best word. Um, mm-hmm. Every situation that they find themselves in could so easily have been avoided if more than two people ever talked to each other. <laughs> Like, if, like, like literally everything that has happened thus far could have been avoided if there had ever been, like, a three-person conversation. <laughs> or four. Yes, but even just to have that third voice in there, be like, wait a second, this is a weird idea. Problem solved. Like, it's just everything. And the third person should always be Bobby. <laughs> always. Always. 100%. Well, it could have been Piney, too. Um, yeah. R.I.P. Um, but no, Bobby, now for sure, it should always be Bobby. And if it can't be Bobby, it needs to be Chips. Like, there's <laughs> no question in my mind that those two are keeping everything together. For sure. And it's, 
so painful in season four to see Bobby be like the only <laughs> voice of reason. And he's just so fucking pissed about everything. Well, like, and where we are right yeah. now is, like, Clay uh, played with, like, oh, Ron Perlman is not a great actor, but, like, it's funny to me, so it's fine. <laughs> um, like, he's just got no expression whatsoever other than pure rage. Um, yeah. and it's nothing or it's rage. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because as we've learned, his Twitter persona is very different <laughs> from the characters mm -hmm. that he plays. Um, but so the, the problem with all of this is like right now we're learning spoilers. I guess the show's old. I don't care. We have learned that, um, the reason that Jax's father is dead is because Gemma and Clay killed him. We've, mm -hmm. we've learned this and Tara, um, knows this and she's not told Jax which is probably for the best at this point in time yeah but Jax knows that something weird is is going on some some shit's going down and they're trying to put aside their differences for the good of the club I'm like no 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 just have it out the two of you just <laughs> yeah. need to have it out and then one of you preferably Clay just needs to die and then everything <laughs> will be fine but here's the thing like all of this is Clay's fault. Oh, everything. Yes. Clay, if Clay wouldn't have made a big deal about what's in the letters, mm -hmm. if he didn't care, then none of none of this would have happened. Which, like, you gotta think too. If you're Jax and your dad was in a motorcycle club, and then dad died, and then your mom, and then a week later, your his mom, best friend also dies. <laughs> your mom marries someone who's also in the motorcycle club. Yeah, you gotta kind of think that maybe, perhaps, something a little hinky's going on, right? Like you'd have to think. And for being such a voracious reader, Jax, like you don't recognize Hamlet when you see it. Oh God, no! <laughs> it is absolutely Hamlet on motorcycles. Shout out to Melissa for. Uh, Hit me with that, that was little truth nugget, and I was just like, "Jesus Christ, is it? It is absolutely Hamlet with motorcycles and guns and drugs." Apparently, also <laughs> the other thing that's really bothering me about hey, this... Megan, Megan, we don't know that Hamlet wasn't on motorcycles and with drugs. We don't know that. That's There's true. very little stage direction in Shakespeare's plays. <laughs> well, I feel like the motorcycles may be a no go, but drugs definitely. <laughs> Actually, no, I think he needed to be on drugs because I feel like an antidepressant would have cured him of all of his melancholy. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, it's a constant battle, Megan. <laughs> fair enough, but can you imagine even just like a low-dose antidepressant? I feel like Hamlet would have been a lot less um, pessimistic Manic? about things. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe wouldn't have like, you know, devised a plot to uh, kill his stepfather. Anyway. He... Yeah, anyway. Anyway. Back to the motorcycle Hamlet. Um, the thing that was also really bothering me about this season is how they've, they were like, in the first three seasons, it was just guns, it was just guns, it was just guns. I liked season yeah. three because the bulk of it was set in Ireland and it was just listening to Irish accents and I was like, yeah, cool. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah. And listening to like those good Belfast Catholic accents was really, really mm -hmm. great. Um. But now in season four, we're in the middle of, like, all of these gangs working together <laughs> to, like, run drugs. And I just don't understand what's going on. Like, I'm, I get it, but it just makes no sense to me. It makes no sense because they made such a big deal. Oh, Taylor. Such a big deal <laughs> out of, <laughs> sorry, 
out of sure they deal sure they deal guns, but there's no drugs happening in Charming. Mm-hmm. Like all of season one was like fucking get these Nordic dudes out of here, get them out of our territory. Yeah. Our other chapters don't deal drugs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And now like Clay is just fucking so desperate for cash. Mm-hmm. Oy boy. Yeah, and <laughs> that's so a, that, that that's a big goal of Rooney. <laughs> that part of this is like really uh, I find it really frustrating because it, it like again, and it's one of those things um, that breaks the rules that the show start set up in the first place. Yeah, and I think that's the part that that is aggravating to me because like they like you said in, in season one, um, Jesus fuck, um, in season one they set it up like yeah, absolutely. There's no drugs, no drugs, no drugs, and now that's all they're into. Mm-hmm. And every but again, every single thing that's happened so far this season has been. Just, like, if more than one person would have talked to each other, they could have probably stopped it from happening. Yeah. And so, I think I asked you that this yesterday or the day before. Like, what even is Clay's leadership? He does like, nothing. What, he does absolutely nothing. He delegates everything to Jax. He, sure, he'll go and talk to, like, the fucking the leader of the Galindo, but it's just, like... What does he ever say or do that's mm-hmm. of substance? Mm-hmm. Nothing. No, he doesn't do anything. Well, he did some things this season, um, but they weren't leadership well, related. Yes. Uh, no. He... They were purely selfish. Yeah, like he tried to have Tara killed and then didn't realize that Jax and the kids were with her. Uh, and so then like tried to call it off at the last minute. And then he beat the ever-loving fuck out of Gemma. It was horrible. It was awful. Absolutely horrible to watch. Um, and like... Those are the those are the only two things that I can think of that he's done this season. Everything mm-hmm. else, any other any kind of like emotional growth with any other with any character has nothing to do with Clay. Absolutely um, not. And like we've we've been talking back and forth, texting back and forth about uh, poor Juice and just like the shitty oh. situation that he's in, uh, and how like you know he was scared for his life basically, um, mm-hmm. and found some comfort in. Um, from Chibs, which is great. Who's, like, more of a leader at this point than Clay has ever been. Yeah. Um. Like, first noticing that something's up with Juice. Yeah. And then, secondly, trying to interfere and, like, make sure that he's okay. But also really frustrating that (sighs) that whole plot... (laughs) made me upset because Juice is so dumb. (laughs) Like, he's so... Like, obviously, he's a gangster, but he's, like, so soft and so dumb. Well, I think I read somewhere... how could he not know that they're not gonna fucking care? Well, because that's part of the... That's part of the the oath, right? Like, I get it. I understand, and this is... But he's fucking Puerto Rican. Like... Well, I know, but... Anyway... Um, I know, anyway. I, I know, it's a dumb plot point and, and whatever, but it, it gave us a little bit of emotional growth, at least with one character, which was yes, nice. Yes, that's true. Um, and I guess, like, the thing about all of these storylines as, as they're as, as they're coming to be, like, if you just took Clay out of all of them, they would be infinitely better. <laughs> yes, they would. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like they want, like, so many times they've been shot at, and so many times people have tried to kill Clay. Yeah. That 
I oh Taylor's mad. He's been cut. Um, yeah. I feel like the <laughs> he's not a good actor. We know this. No. But I feel like everyone on the show just loves him because he's a fucking solid dude. That they yeah. just want to keep him around. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, and maybe that's what it is. You know, like that's fine if that's if that's the case. That's that's fine. But like, like it's classic Murtaugh Outlander situation. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. To the detriment of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I think the, the thing that I think is really interesting about it, like, you mentioned this yesterday when I texted you about Gemma getting beat up, um, is that, like, yeah, the men just, like, die quick and painlessly, ultimately. Yeah. There's very little, like, writhing in pain, but, like, we saw Gemma, like, and, I mean, it was awful what mm-hmm. what, what he did to her, and... That, like, I did not like that choice, that camera choice of, like, him above her and then, like, the fade to black. as Me he, like, neither. I, I hated that. I did not like that at all. I was very uncomfortable with it. Um, and then even Tara, like, her hand getting slammed in the door. Brutal. Where she's a surgeon. I know. Like, like her livelihood has been taken from mm-hmm. her now with this because commitment she's to so Jax. so dumb in love with this. And, I mean, to be fair, like, Jax is probably the best of them, but still... Like, it's just, yeah, and so watching the women, like, suffer, whereas, like, what's-his-face with the, who got his hands burnt off in the fire? It's, like, been made a- <laughs> Chucky? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's been made, like, a joke, ultimately. Yeah. That he got his hands burnt off. I mean, and it, ultimately, it's good because he doesn't masturbate all of the time anymore, so that's not a bad thing, but, like, it's funny that he lost his hands, whereas, like, for, for yeah. Tara, it's absolutely devastating that this has happened It sure her. is. And like, but I I do have a soft spot for Chuck. He's he's oh, a no. delight. He's really funny. But like, but it's just it's just interesting. You have these two kind of parallel situations, and yes. the reaction to them and the response to them is is so very different. The can we talk? I want to talk about something that really bothers me on the show. I have I have okay. a thing about the hospital. <laughs> okay, why is it doing surgeries and having intensive care when it seems like it? has a population base of about 10,000? <laughs> no, that's that's a thing that crossed my mind briefly. No, my problem is that whenever one of them is in the hospital, all of them <laughs> all show up. All of them Everybody. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. like, it's so weird. Because, like, uh, you have to know, if you are a person who works in this hospital, that when one of these motherfuckers shows up, something terrible is probably going to happen to someone who's in the hospital. <laughs> Right? For sure. There's going to be a mysterious death. (laughs) Yeah. There's, yeah, like, something is going to happen. And it's just, Mm -hmm. like, and they just walk in like they own the place. And, I mean, I guess it's sort of established that, like, they have protection at this hospital and so fine. But it's just, like, it's, I was like, maybe if you weren't a gang, you wouldn't need protection at the fucking hospital. Like, there are just so many things about this. Uh, and I have absolutely. I, I tweeted it out a couple times, but like, just have they ever considered not running drugs? You know, or not <laughs> well, being that's a gang? what they. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it seems like they have a business that is flourishing. Mm-hmm. Like the what's it called? TM mechanic business that yeah. seems always busy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what? Although I get the what sense are you even doing? that a lot of the vehicles that they're working on in the shop are their own. 
So maybe, <laughs> maybe business isn't flourishing. Yeah. I just get the feeling. Um, well, but, in season one, you had people coming and yes, going yes. and like going in the office and paying Gemma and finding keys and yeah. all that horseshit. But, like, but it's also oh, so frustrating how they are always in their own way to getting straight. Mm-hmm. Like, I could easily go straight. Oh, very easily. I mean, they're not even allowed to wear their vests, like, in the town limits right now, so it would be super easy yeah. to be like, you know what, this is the time. This is when we're going to stop all of this nonsense. Exactly. But it's so stupid how they insist on following Clay's plan, even though he, can, he can't even fucking ride a motorcycle anymore. Mm-hmm. Like. I know. It's so stupid. It is. It's infuriating, is what it is. Um, My friend Malcolm and I had a conversation about how, um, from the start, we would want Jax as a leader just because he's more attractive. Now, it would be difficult for us to follow the lead of someone who's not. (laughs) 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 I'd love to get into the psychology of that. (laughs) Well, I sort of feel like it goes back to that, like, charismatic leader kind of thing, right? And we tend to, as I think, as people, we tend to value the opinions of attractive people more. Like, that's a thing that people do. And I don't... But does that seem counterintuitive to a gang? Like, you'd... The scary guy is the one who would be, like, intimidating. Yeah, but I don't think you always want someone who's intimidating. I think I think in people, your gang, you know, no, no. But I think I think the leader doesn't need to be intimidating. The leader just has to have the muscle behind him, right? And that True. I mean, the most intimidating person I think in that gang. Bobby's pretty intimidating, but also Chips with his like Glasgow smile. I feel like people would be like, "Oh fuck, this guy's been through some <laughs> shit." Um, and like I feel it's fucking not juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those tattoos on your head do nothing. Um, no. But no, I feel like I feel like the leader doesn't necessarily have to be intimidating. I feel like the leader has to be charismatic. Uh, yeah. And we tend and I think like we tend to be more responsive and receptive to charismatic leaders when they're more attractive. Absolutely. Um like you know, you you make jokes about like, oh, I you know, like I'd buy like he could sell me anything or whatever, like whatever it happens to be. And I think that that's like a a pretty common response. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, I think this in this structure, because Clay is like one of the originals, that's why he's the boss. But also, like a lot of the club knows how many fuck ups he has. Mm-hmm. Like he killed Donna. Oh yeah, boy, did he! Like, how could you ever trust him after that to I do know. something so brash and to be so? afraid of I know like outsiders in your club and not trust your clubmates like he just he makes every wrong choice and it's so annoying the other thing that I'm I found really interesting and I know I texted you about this too is like one of the things on the show that I don't mind is how outwardly affectionate these men are towards each other Yes. And I think that, like, as much as the the rest of the show is really troubling in a lot of ways, I think there's something very refreshing about that. That, like, Mm -hmm. they're not... lots of hugs. Lots of hugs. kisses. And they tell each other that they love each other. And it's very... um, It's healthy in that respect. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not healthy in a lot of other respects. (laughs) 
but it's to how they treat any other woman. Yes, yes. Ever. Um, but but it, it that part of it I think is a really interesting dynamic, and because they're the people that we are supposed to like, we see that yeah. more from them. We don't see that from like the other gangs. In the it's same weird way. how yeah true, but we also don't have. <sighs> We don't really have a deep look into the other gangs. Like, essentially, they're just broadly labeled as antagonists, and so there's no need to understand their personal lives. I think we've seen, like, spouses of one, usually when they just fucking show up in the middle of the day with guns drawn for no reason, and Mm -hmm. then chaos happens, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, okay, well, you walked up to my house. Everyone has a piece. Like, (laughs) what? Mm -hmm. what are you doing? But I find it really interesting, too, how for the women in the club, it's, like, they're weirdly competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, Tara gets really upset about Opie's wife just being around. Mm-hmm. And I'm... Why am I blanking on her name? Lila. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, we're anti her porn star friend who's just an absolute dirtbag. Yeah. But even Gemma and Tara have this weird competition over who loves Jax more. Well, I but I think that's all. <laughs> I know it's true, but that's all Gemma because I I texted you and I was just like, Gemma just needs to, like, that Clay and Jax just need to whip their dicks out and Gemma just needs to decide which one she likes better. Because, so th- that competition between Tara and Gemma is very much like Gemma oriented. Absolutely. And doesn't Gemma realize that, like, she's going to end up with no sons <laughs> and no husband? Yeah. Like, because she, I think a lot of the shit around losing JT is her being upset about him being gone when yeah. Thomas was sick. Yeah. And then she goes into Clay's arms, and then Clay's like, oh, well, I'm going to arrange for his death, and then you'll just be mine. Yeah. And now she's got her fucking son and her husband vying over the presidency of this club, and it's like, what do you want out of this? I know. And she, well, she wants to be in charge. Like, she wants to be the person in control. Um, And she's doing a pretty good job of of it, except that she's, (laughs) well, I mean, as far as she's concerned... She has yeah. everybody kind of wrapped right around her little finger. Um, yeah, she's, they love her. She's everybody's wife and everybody's mother. Yeah, right. Like she's mm-hmm. she's very much the matriarch of that family, and I think she she would probably make the argument that she is the boss. And I know, but as Clay fucking reminds her, you're just an old lady. You're yeah. fucking nobody, yeah. and you're nothing. And I can beat the shit out of you. And actually. As much as you think you're the leader and the mom of this club, no one's going to fucking do anything about it. That's the worst part. I know. I know. But at the same and time, it she was drove kind of, me crazy. She was kind of resigned to it. Like, knowing that that was destruction, that's what was going to happen to her anyway. You know what I mean? Like, because she's like, oh, I, I can't, you know, I can't do anything about this. I'm just like, well, can't you? That was your husband who did that. Yeah, you sure can. Like, there's so many things that you could do, but you have this weird-ass loyalty to the club first, and that's what made me so mad and you mad too, is that, like, 
we got to do this for the club and then we'll solve our personal shit. It's like actually your personal shit is ripping apart the club and you need to hash it out now or it's literally you're all going to go to jail. Well, and I think the thing that is most, maybe the most frustrating about all of those like relationships and stuff is that Tara is a doctor. Mm -hmm. Right? And nothing against the work that any of these other women are doing, but she's a fucking doctor. And I, Not just I'm, a doctor, a fucking <laughs> infant like cardiac a, surgeon. Yeah, like that is <laughs> highly specialized. And so like... She has no business working in this small town. It makes me so no, angry. Absolutely, no, she should be like... She should be absolutely working at like, you know... San Francisco, yeah, or LA, like, Cedar Sinai, like a New York. huge, like yeah. a huge center, a huge center. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and she should be literally never in charming because while she's when she's not working, she would be like teaching and giving lectures and yeah at conferences and all of this kind of stuff. Anyway, that's like another issue. But she's a fucking doctor, and like mm-hmm. I understand that the heart wants what the heart wants. Like I get that. But how, how is she okay? She's not right now, but at first she was pretty okay with just, like, being with Jax while the shit was happening. And I'm just like, lady, you are a doctor. What are you doing with your life? And, like, you, you, (laughs) you have a moral obligation to do no no harm. Like, that is the whole tenet of your profession, and as soon as you get that good Jack Stellar dick, you just fucking forget everything. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me so mad is the women have to give up so much mm-hmm. in order to love the men that they love. Mm-hmm. And, and the men have to horrifying. give up nothing. It's ridiculous. Well, the, and the men don't have to give anything up. They can just... No, they get to do whatever they want. They get to do whatever they want and whoever they want and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's lots of things. But at the end of the day, like, I kind of enjoy it. Like, there's, I like, there's things about the show that I like. I don't hate Tig as much now that I hated him before. I told you. He's getting better. I don't, like, I'm still not a huge, not a huge fan. Uh, I yeah. thought it was kind of a dick move on his part when he, like, wouldn't vote to let what's his name into the club. Like, the transfer. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure he got blown up. Did he not? <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, come on, Tig. Um, I was a little bit annoyed uh, that they never really kind of made things right. Mm -hmm. Um, He's getting better, but, like, I just, there's still things that he's doing. I'm just like, why? You suck so much. Um, Anyway, it's like, um, thanks for for making me watch it. I'm sorry that you bought it, and then now it's on (laughs) Netflix and Amazon Prime. Honestly, at this point, it's like... (laughs) Whatever. Uh, I'm also rewatching the X Files because it's all oh. on, it's all on Amazon Prime now. This is news to me. All of the seasons. Yeah, I'm eight episodes, eight or nine episodes in, uh, which is one of the reasons why I have not watched as much Suns as I promised to because I like the X Files an awful lot. Um, those early episodes are just so great. Like the first, <laughs> but they're also extremely painful. <laughs> yes, they're they're really bad, and like to watch them now and just be like, oh my god, this is so hard to watch. But like they're just like the story is so wonderful, uh, and you just learn these little tiny bits about these characters mm-hmm. through this. So it's like it's very much like what you'd get in sort of like a like a CSI or Criminal Minds kind of procedural. Yes, where the case is still the main focus of the episode. 
and it's not the same case um, every time. Each time, yeah. But there are there's like obviously somewhere like there's some threads that are are continuing and, and whatnot. But it's not uh, it, it's not the same case all the time. But what I find really interesting about this is like you just get these little snippets of detail about Mulder and Scully and their lives um, outside of the FBI. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, and so far, like into, I think it's, I think I'm in episode nine now. And so far, where we're at, like they're just learning just little things about each other. Um, but it's yes. Really- Sorry, <laughs> that's a goal. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Uh, <laughs> so they're learning like little things about each other, and at by the time we get into like mid season three, like they know a lot about each other, which is really really mm-hmm. cool. Um, Especially because they're like holy it's fuck. Just... Your feet is a lot ahead of mine. Is it? Yeah, because mine they oh, just sorry. no. That's fine, but they just scored. Oh no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Colorado pretty much scored on themselves, so it's just like it doesn't matter. Hoisted on your own petard. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure that was a Taylor Hall playoff point. Uh, so Absolutely, just, it was. Just gonna make um, a quick little tweet about that. <laughs> <laughs> Pause the podcast. <laughs> Does Taylor Hall have uh, more points than uh, a certain team that's not in the playoffs anymore? <laughs> um, Boy, did they score on themselves twice. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> that's a terrible mustache. I don't know who's on the TV. <laughs> Holy fuck, that was gross. Um, Alright, there we go. I think that's Clayton Keller, isn't it? It might be. With the mustache. I don't pay a lot of um, attention. What I was going to say about the X-Files, especially in the early seasons is they put together this archetypal like opposites not even just mm-hmm. gender opposites but the way in which they view the world she's very analytical and logical and he's just like it's got to be fucking monsters <laughs> <laughs> well and the nice thing about it too is that she's the one who's rational and logical and he's yes. the one who's mildly unhinged <laughs> mildly come on in the early parts of season one he's not super unhinged just yet Um, isn't it so bizarre to see their boss as a white supremacist on (laughs) sons of anarchy (laughs) mitch pelagi that fucked me up so much the first season i was like this is wrong i love this is wrong i I don't like it (laughs) i I think mitch pelagi should be in every tv show all the time i think he's phenomenal (laughs) Um, but he yeah, is. It was. It was. It was sort of like, oh, that's Skinner. Was my first thought, and I was like, oh, Skinner's a Nazi. <laughs> Skinner's a skinhead. Great. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Um, but it's so it's so discombobulating to watch that show, and then to watch Gillian Anderson in like anything now, because mm-hmm. in that show she's so dowdy. Mm-hmm. She's like. They try so hard to not make her a sexual being. <laughs> Except in episode then, two, I think, is when they go to somewhere in, like, the Pacific Northwest. Um, oh, is that when she, like, is she, all wet? It, no, it's when she, she gets, like, the mosquito bites or whatever. Oh, and yes, she's, like, right, right, terrified. right. And so I texted Reva, because Reva has also, well, Reva also loves the X-Files, and I texted Reva, and I was like, oh, Mulder was in love with her from, like, that moment. So, like, there's no question in my And the way they filmed it and set it up, and she's like, I need you to check something. And so she, like, lifts her shirt up, and he, like, gets down on his knees. Like, it's just like, the most ridiculous thing. And I was like, yes, yeah. why did it take so long? for it to get there. 
Because she's thinking about her work and her job. She's a career woman. I know, but it didn't take a very... What was really interesting watching again is it didn't take her very long to be on his side. Mm-hmm. Because she was definitely... And she knows, and she was definitely put there, and he knows it too, to spy on him. And, like, yes. discredit everything that he's done. And But the, that's because she's seen it all with her eyes, so she knows... Yes. But it's, it's true. But it's really interesting. Like, it didn't take her very long to just be on his side. And, like, she's uh-huh. she's got his back, ultimately. And yeah. he would walk through, like, a burning building to save her at this point. And they've been partners for, like, four months. <laughs> like, it's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Um, and so it's... And there's the one episode where his, like, somebody that he knows from... Um, Scotland Yard, I think, is, like, part of because there's, they're chasing down some arsonist or whatever. And she's in this, an episode that I just finished, uh, yesterday. And Scully is very jealous. Oh. <laughs> very quietly oh, no. jealous, but she's very jealous. And Mulder's, like, you know, sees this woman and is, like, very attracted to her. But, like, not in this, he, I don't think he sleeps with her. I don't think that that's where this one goes. But Scully was just, like, very, very, very jealous. Um, with this woman and I was just like, it's eight episodes in. Why did it take until season seven? I know it's ridiculous, but also it's like, I wish that there was less of that in shows. Like I wish that men and women could work together and just, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's lots of that. Coworkers. I think there's lots of that in other sort of things, but the way that one's set up, like they couldn't be because it's the two of them all the time. And the cast around them keeps changing. Whereas if you have a more, like, team-oriented mm-hmm. thing, it, it's less likely that it's going to happen that way. Wouldn't it have been great if, like, she was a lesbian, though? Yeah. That would have been extremely cool. And just, like, Mulder just, like, dealing with that. <laughs> Mulder, would, Mulder would not have minded, let's be honest here. He just made some gross jokes about wanting to watch. So, like, that's where we would have been. Mm-hmm. But I, also, I don't think he would have stopped trying, though. No, not at all. Um, I also think it's really funny, because I forget this, and I mean, I, you know that Scully's a doctor, because she's referred to, introduced a lot as, you know, Dr. Dana Scully, um, mm-hmm. in the early parts anyway. But you forget that Mulder's, like, a psychologist, or a psychoanalyst, or whatever the hell, and is, like, Oxford-educated and, like, all these things, because he's just such a fucking weirdo. I know, but it's also so funny how young they are and, like, how accomplished they are. I know. Especially when I see, like, Tara. Let's go back to this. Yeah. Tara is (laughs) what seems to be one of the chief surgeons at this hospital serving 10,000 people in which they have, I don't know, hundreds of pediatric heart surgeries a year. And yet, she's, what, 27? She's pretty young. She's pretty young. Okay, so if we bring that back, let's talk about how medical school works. Well, let's just assume she she's thirty. Let's assume she's thirty. Sure. Okay, so thirty minus four years for her pre-med education. Yeah. Twenty-six. Yeah. Then four years for medical school. Yeah. Twenty-two. Yeah. Then for a surgical residency, uh-huh. seven years. Uh-huh. 
not including a fellowship probably for pediatric cardiac surgery uh-huh. another five years after that. I'm sorry, what does that bring us down to? Negative years, Megan. <laughs> it's impossible well, TV, for her to be doing that. TV doesn't have to be realistic. Um, as we can tell, because I'm pretty sure that there are no towns of 10,000 people with four rival motorcycle gangs. So, <laughs> let's just start there. Um, but no, it's uh, it's it's an interesting show. What I thought was interesting, too, it was funny when I was thinking about it afterwards. The guy that created it, he's married to Katie Segal. Um, yeah, he sure is. But I was just like, so, like, I just thought it was so weird that, like, sure, cast your wife. She's great. I think she's phenomenal in this role. Like, I think she plays it really, really, really well. She's got that look that, like... She's got gravitas. She, she does. She does. And she's got that look that, like, she has seen things. Mm-hmm. And you believe that she has seen those things. Um, but I was just like, dude, you're okay with just watching your wife get, looks like, the absolute shit kicked out of her? Cool. Like, I just found that to be really strange. Um that that was part of the that that's been part of the the story arc is that you know the the creator's he, wife is the but you can also tell that like he wants her in the show as a a mover and a shaker mm-hmm. like that's why i think Gemma is so like conniving and poking is that because like he fucking loves his wife dude she even sings in the show mm-hmm. Not, like, in the show, but not diegetically. But there's just something so interesting about Katie Seagal that, like, I don't mind it. I really, like, obviously she does horrific shit, but she doesn't bug me as much as fucking Clay does. No. No. Because I think she at least has some semblance of... Like, doing it for a purpose for family, where for Clay, it's all about himself. Yes. Yeah. And his own weird-ass legacy, of which there is none. Yeah, he's a real dick. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. We started talking about X-Files, and then... And then we worked our way back. Well, and and the reason I started rewatching the X-Files is somebody on Twitter had mentioned that it was... um, that it was on Amazon Prime. I was like, well, all of the things, including, like, the reboot season and all the movies, like, it's all there, uh, which is great. Whoa, really? Yeah, from what I can tell. Um, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, cool. But I started watching it, and, and so I, every every day this guy watches, like, a couple episodes. Um, and they are, you know, he's, like, making comments on it or whatever. And then when he got to the Fluke Man one, like, the host in season two, which is the only one that I've never watched again because it's terrifying, um, mm-hmm. he, he sent me a message and he was like, you were right about that episode. And I'm like, I told you, it is terrifying and I, like, I can't rewatch it. That thing is so disgusting. And I, I like know. that that show, that episode came out in, like, 1994. And here we are in 2020 and I'm a grown-ass adult and I still can't watch it because I'm afraid of it. And also, like, it's, it's 1994 graphics. Mm -hmm. Think about that. This Mm -hmm. isn't some Jurassic Park (laughs) bullshit. This is 1994 graphics. And yet it's still so atmospheric and creepy Mm -hmm. that it's unwatchable. 
It is, and it's it is it's awful. And like when I when I mentioned it to someone about the fluke man, they were like, "Oh, you mean the thing?" And I was like, "Yep." <laughs> I was like, "I will not look it up. I don't need you to describe it to me. I'm good." <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to just kind of rewatching it at my leisure. It's also nice to not always <laughs> rewatch The Office. Uh, and this is there's a question that we got uh, that we can uh, deal with. It's actually we might as well right now. Here's a question. It came from Jess. Why do we rewatch things? Just like it's it's comfort. Why do you eat things on you know a cold day or when you're feeling down? Like it's it's nostalgia. It's safety. It's predictable. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I have a hard time reading and watching new things because everything's so chaotic. Like you're looking for something that makes you feel a sense of normalcy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, like, that's why... And, and it, I like the predictability of the things that mm-hmm. I'm re-watching. Because I know... So, uh, another buddy of mine um, on the Twitter is watching Office Season 9 for the first time. He's just stopped after 8 and never bothered to watch Season 9. Uh, and so I can tell when he's watching because he'll send me a message and he's like, Oh my god, this is so frustrating. Because it is. Because Season 9 is not good. There's, like, little moments that are fine, but on the whole, it's not very good. Um... But he said, like, even knowing that he's not enjoying this season as much as previous seasons, he still finds comfort in watching The Office. Yeah, because it's people that you know, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's characters that you recognize and situations that you recognize. And you know that at the end of the day, whatever conflict is going on, by the time the season is over, it will all be resolved and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is something about that, like you say, right now, that is comforting. And, like, you know, I watched The Princess Diaries one and two last weekend because they're on Disney Plus and I was like okay and I didn't hate them like they're not great <laughs> you know what I mean like they're, they're not, cute yeah they're not wonderful movies but they're fun no. and light and very like uplifting at the mm-hmm. end of at the end of it all and like oh I know why you watch number two no I just watched them both because I watched them both <laughs> But yes, Chris Pine, but no, that haircut is terrible, so it's not, <laughs> so bad. it's awful. It's like a, it is a, it is a perfect early 2000s haircut. Um, but no, I just, I watched them and I, I remember watching them when they came out and I didn't hate them then, but I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm, 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 I'm close to 40 and that shouldn't be a thing that I find comfort in because it's not, I'm not the target audience for that anymore. But yeah. at the same time, I was just like, oh, isn't that fun? Oh, look, Julie Andrews is great. Like, there was just things about it that I was like, no, I'm going to watch it's this. It's charming. And I'm just yeah. going to enjoy it. It's got a charm to it that is non-confrontational. Very right? much so. Like, there's something right now about, this is what made me upset about the whole, like, quarantine and isolation thing is that, like, you don't need to challenge yourself. No. <laughs> during these times like you can it's fine to just be staying afloat like there's a lot mentally and emotionally and that we are all trying to cope with right now and it mm-hmm. made me so mad how people are like you have all this time like why aren't you you know learning how to play that instrument it's just like I'm just trying to figure out how to fucking live to tomorrow dude like yeah. there's there's no reason for us to just be ridiculous. Well, what I find, what I found too, is like at the beginning of it, I was like, oh yeah, I'll have all this time to do stuff. And I found that like, for me, what was really tough is I had to work still. So I was still 
doing work-related things. Which was helpful because it made me get out of bed in the morning. Like, there was lots of good things about yeah. that. Um, but I found... You were still on a schedule. Yes, which for me is good. Because let me tell you what has happened since summer school ended. Um, <laughs> I, it took me about three days and I'm back living like a ninja turtle. So, like, yeah. Just, like, <laughs> my, my schedule has flipped completely. I step into, like, four-ish in the morning. Like, it's, it's not good. Uh, and I go back to work in two weeks. So I gotta, like... Reset. Gotta reset my life here. Um, yeah. But what I what I found for me, like having a schedule, was really really useful and really worthwhile. But I found that by the time I was done with work, and even though it wasn't a full work day, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And part of it was just the the whole like trying to stay afloat and. You know, yes. Work up, the mental energy of it all is work up the exhausting. Work, work up the desire to go and get groceries and those kind of yes. things instead of just be like, oh, I'll eat things out of the freezer, um, you know, and and whatever, and doing all of that. But also, I found it really tiring because my work ended up being all online. I found that even yeah. more tiring than normal. And so, like, I would need basically a nap every afternoon to have mm-hmm. to like get over the morning. Uh, and so by the time I like got through that and had some lunch and had a nap and like did some marking or whatever, it would be like five o'clock and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be done work for today. Cause I don't want to work until nine o'clock tonight. Yeah. And I just absolutely. kind of did that every day. And by the time school was over in June, I was like, oh, I didn't get anything else accomplished that I wanted to get accomplished or that I thought I would have time for. And I felt bad about it for a while and I don't feel bad about it anymore. No, absolutely not. I do need to clean up my garage. Um, the shelves in my garage that's a thing that's happening next week but like I don't have anything else going on next week so I can put aside some time and just do it which is fair like that's the thing like there's no this is the thing I struggle with now that I'm partially unemployed is like the way in which our society functions on you are valuable if you are productive Mm mm-hmm it's just absolute horseshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes me so angry that as human beings, that's how we are, like codified, of mm-hmm. what of what value I am as a person is how much I produce. It's like, oh, okay, great. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too that I'm starting to find because we and we have talked about this obviously before here, but like that early stages of isolation and quarantine and whatever you want to call it versus now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't talk to anybody now. <laughs> like, it's just, to me, this is just, like, a normal summer for me where I, I see, like, three people. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I guess I got to go back to work in a bit. Um, but even even then, even since all of this, like, I, since summer started, other than my parents, I've seen my teaching partner because we would go into school, uh, like, once a week and do our, our class from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple friends from work came over uh, on separate occasions for... Uh, coffee or whatever um and then another couple friends came over not last week but the week before um and then I've been to see like uh you know my friends with their their kids and stuff and that's all I've seen those are the only people that I have seen this summer which is no different from what I would do in a normal summer for the most part yeah. And so nothing really has changed for which is kind of in certain ways to me very comforting. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think 
in a lot of ways it's <laughs> it's challenging that we feel like we can be normal now you know what I mean like there's a lot of reasons why or no sorry there's a lot of ways in which people here especially are acting as if everything's normal mm -hmm. when they shouldn't uh -huh. but I'm glad that you kind of feel like you're back to a sense of what your life was before. Yeah, since, I mean, the summer school was different because it um, wasn't in school. Mm -hmm. So that was the big difference. But once summer school ended, like, my, my summer has um, definitely not been any different. I spend more time with my parents now probably than I would have before because I would have, mm -hmm. you know, maybe instead of like going to mom and dad's house, I would have like gone and just got a cup of coffee somewhere and sat outside and read or whatever. So now I just do that at their place. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah, like I haven't really noticed anything different, including my sleep schedule has shifted to like, oh, four to noon. Sounds good. Um, so even that's the same. I'm still not over you referring to yourself as a ninja turtle. <laughs> that's the most hysterical thing. Well, you know that's the fucking episode title, Megan. Yeah, that's You've fine. Narrowed it down. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm alright with that. But yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been interesting. So it'll be an interesting shift, I think, to go back to work and see. Yeah. Because it's gonna feel different. It's gonna look different. Like work itself is gonna be different. Uh, and I think like I'm trying really hard for the next couple of weeks to like not be high key stressed out about things because there's really nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. I just have to go and do my job and hope for the best, um, which is a terrible thing to think about but I just that's what I need to do and I know some people that I have worked with at other schools uh who I feel I feel should be taking stress leave for the year yes just based on how they're reacting to things I feel like yep. what they should not be doing is going back to work in the fall yep so it's gonna be a very interesting year to see sort of how this goes uh ask me again at the end of September how I feel about things and <laughs> it'll be a very different conversation <laughs> Probably it's also going to be <laughs> a lot of anger directed at a certain leader of this province, but um, yeah, that's, that's just a, that's a con that's a constant state. That's though. just that's, a constant. That's been since yeah. they got elected. I've been angry, so yes, that's different. Um, yeah, so it's been uh, the summer's been an interesting thing, and so, so having something new to watch, like watching Sons of Anarchy, is fine, but I can't watch too much of it. Because yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, and so I don't, I can't, I mean, I can kind of predict that, like, someone's going to die a horrible, bloody death, but I don't know who it's going to be, and if it's a character mm -hmm. that I like, I don't know if I'm, like, ready for that just yet, whereas I can watch The X-Files, or The Office, or whatever, and know, or I can watch The Last Kingdom if I really wanted to, and I yes. know exactly what's going to happen, and who's going to die, and, like, how, what my feelings are about it, and so it doesn't, I don't have the same, like, emotional investment, and it's very comforting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I told you I had to take, like, almost a week off <laughs> before <laughs> watching the last two episodes of season four. Yeah. Because it was just like, oh, man, I it need was, to be in the right mental space yeah, to It's been a lot. This. These last, like, five or six episodes have been very intense. A lot. Speaking of <laughs> new things, though, I did finally finish Duck's Newburyport by Lucy Ellman, that book. That, like... Yeah. I finally finished it. And? Um... So my friend Aaron was like, did you like it? And I was like, I'm not sure. Um, it's a weird book because it nothing happens. Like, <laughs> it, 
it's there's there's not really it's not it doesn't follow a, a typical narrative structure or a typical plot structure so i've mentioned mm-hmm. it on here before in case anyone is still listening to us um it was about a thousand pages and it's basically like eight <sighs> sentences it makes me so fucking angry. Yeah, it was a lot, and it was really tough to read. I've actually tried to get through it three times, and I finally did it. And part of it is because I had time, and the other part of it is I was like, just read the fucking book, Megan. So I did. Um, and one of the things that I, I struggled with was when I would have to stop, because like I couldn't just keep reading until I got to the end mm-hmm. of a sentence, because that would be like 250 pages. Um, I had to like figure out a, a system so that when I stopped, I knew where to pick back up again. Uh, because I don't like writing in my books and that kind of thing. And so I figured out, uh, I have a, like an event, I have an Avengers bookmark that I use. And so where I would put the bookmark, I would put the bookmark in and if it was whichever, wherever I would decide to stop, I would face like the actual, like the decorated side of the bookmark towards the page that I stopped on. And I would always, I'd always stop right near the top of the page. Um, because she punctuates all of her stuff with the fact that. So I would start reading it the first. Oh, I fucking the hated that, that so much. Uh, when you sent through. me that picture, I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so do I like the book? I'm not sure. It was a challenge. It's the second most challenging book I think I've ever read. The first most challenging book is um, called A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing by Emer McBride, which was just an impossible read. It took me like five tries to get through, and I did it, and it was really good, but holy shit. Um, it was a hard read. This one was challenging just because it was super long. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing happened plot-wise. Like, I couldn't tell you what the story was about, but I would bet you that this would make a fucking amazing little miniseries because this woman is in her kitchen for the most the bulk of the, of the book, and she's just thinking through things as she's making pies. And so she's thinking through, like, contemporary political events and stuff about her family and her kids and school and you know, having to go to the bank and just like all of this stuff. And the thing that I found the most remarkable is there's very few things that were repeated from beginning to end. So she didn't like necessarily, she circled back in certain situations, but she didn't circle back to a lot of stuff, Um, Hmm. which I thought like as a writer would have been a real challenge to do, to Mm -hmm. make sure that you have- To not rehash. Yes. And I thought it was really, really well done. It's a tough, tough read don't do it if (laughs) like like I don't mind that kind of stuff I've read other hard books too and I don't have a problem with them um but like this is not the kind of book that uh anyone will be like oh I'm impressed that you finished that they'd be like you're fucking crazy I told my department head that I was reading this book and he was like what is the matter with you that's all he said he looked it up and saw how many pages it was and like sort of the premise of it and he was just like what is the matter with you not even a question mark on that question. <laughs> so that's, yeah, just a statement, like, what is wrong with you? Um, and I said, I don't know, I've got time on my hands, I guess. Like, whatever. Uh, but it was interesting. It was an interesting read. Uh, the thing I disliked the most about it was just how hefty it was. Because um, mm-hmm. I feel like if it had not been quite so massive, I would have been able to read it in smaller chunks. And probably, like, enjoy the experience more. Yes. But I also think I read an interview with her and I think that was part of her, her shtick on this one was basically she was experimenting with something to see if she could do it. And she did. And it's fine. Um, and I under, like, I get, I've read some criticisms of it, obviously, that it's like way too long on this and this, and it absolutely is. But also, it's not like anything I've ever read before. And like, that was the point. And that was absolutely the point. And so 
like mm-hmm. I finished it. It didn't find it as as boring ultimately as reading Ulysses, which was like holy fuck, what are you even talking about? It wasn't as boring as that. Um, because she had some really interesting, she had some really interesting thoughts, and she thought it was like the political stuff and thinking about like and it's very contemporary so thinking about trump and like and there would be this thing where if the thought went on a little bit longer she'd start like rhyming words and that kind of thing um within her speech which i thought was really cool so there's some really cool stylistic things in the book which i really enjoyed well it sounds like you appreciated some good art yeah, absolutely. That that is a really yes. This is it's a piece of art. It's not mm-hmm. it's not even really literature, in the same yeah. way that we would think. What is definitely a piece of art, and um, I can now say that I've read it. Uh, and if anyone else reads it, I would love to talk to you about it because <laughs> I have some questions. But like, but also don't do don't. it. <laughs> yeah, like it just don't do it. It's a lot. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading a book right now. <laughs> the called... Megan Fowler story. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, also, children, don't stay up until 4 a.m. and get up at noon. Um, that's not a good idea either. Uh, I'm also reading a book right now called Beach Read. It's legitimately called Beach Read. Um, and a friend of mine on Twitter had said that she had just finished it, and it was one of the first books that she'd read in a really long time that she was able to just, like, kind of sit down and enjoy because of all of the things that are going on. Uh, and it's... I think I sent you the back book jacket of it. Um, it's about this these two authors... And the one, she inherits this, uh, like, a cottage from her father when he passes away. Uh, And so she goes there for the summer. I think maybe she's moved there. I don't know. Anyway, so she's there in the summertime, and her neighbor is also an author who she happens to know from when they were in college together. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, a, he's, like, a highbrow literature kind of author, and she writes romance novels. Uh, And so they're both suffering from writer's block. And they've challenged each other to write something in the other person's, like, style. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what the premise of the book is. And obviously they're going to fall in love, but so far delightful because what they're doing right now is like, he's taking her on these, like, cause he's still researching a book that he wants to write. And so he's taking her on a research trip and like to interview somebody about, you know, to get some context for this novel that he wants to write. And she's showing him all these, like how she comes up with ideas for the plot points in her romance novels. And so like, that's where they're going right now. They both still kind of hate each other. And that's, that is what it is. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I find it so funny how you like that because I find books about writers and writing to be absolutely insufferable. No, this one so far is okay. It's it's not. That's bad. good. Yeah. I was reading um those stupid Pendergast or yeah Pendergast books. Yeah. And. It's so funny to me how Lee and Child insert journalists into the story, in which they really have no place being because it's about, you know, police and FBI investigations. And every time they do, the journalist is fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime someone out in the world writing about the happenings of the world that they've created is... They just bumble around and stick their head in where they're not supposed to. And Lee and Child immediately kill them. <laughs> just yeah. like, what are you saying about your yeah. profession? I know, I know. I know. I was saying to you, the one, the book of theirs that I like the best is called Relic. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite one. 
I find that one a slog to get through. It just doesn't have the... I feel like they're just like figuring out what they wanted this world and character to be. And it just took them a while. But I, yeah, I agree. I like I like the beginning ones too. Yeah, and I think there's a sequel to Relic too, is there not? I feel like Reliquary, yeah. yeah. Which I didn't like as much. But no, I like, I just, I, my, I remember reading it when I was obviously like still living at home. Because uh, mm-hmm. I used to read books that my dad would read all the time. <laughs> So, like, he would read them. I wouldn't read all of the books that he would read, but I would read books of his all the time. And he was mm-hmm. like, you might like this. And I probably read that one when I was, like, 12, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I read They've lo- been writing together for ages. I read lots of books that I shouldn't have read at the age that I read them at, just because <laughs> my parents were like, well, because I was, I was a good reader and I read, like, at a pretty high level. And so they were like, yeah, sure, read some adult books. Sure, you can read A Time to Kill by John Grisham. You're 12 years old. No big deal. Fucking yes! All right. <laughs> I've been I've been holding on to the cheer. <laughs> it was a good, like, 15 seconds before you saw yeah. the choo-choo tool. Freaking uh, Grabner still got it, yeah, hey? sure does. Um... Do we have anything else that we want to speak about? I don't think so. I feel like I need to just double check something. I feel like I saw something a BuzzFeed quiz that made me laugh. Just the title of it. Because um, you sent me one and then I did it. Yes. I just, I saw it because it just made me laugh. Like, I was just like, you just need to do this quiz. Um, was that the Adam Driver one? No, that was really funny though. <laughs> you were upset oh. by that one. I was. <laughs> and you're like, no, it's right. And I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I get it because Charlie Barber's not a great, not a great uh, character. Um, it's also a movie that I can't watch and won't watch, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's challenging. It is challenging. It's, it's, and I know why you won't want to, why you won't watch it and I get it 100%. Uh, it's too bad because there's some really great things in it. Like, just really wonderful little pieces of acting from a whole bunch of different people in it mm-hmm. um and it's just it's it's very in a lot of ways very subtle but then i see stuff and i think about the time that i sent you that thing on instagram with like just noah bombach <laughs> i was like he just cast like a taller version of himself <laughs> yeah they're wearing exactly the same thing in the scene like it's ridiculous it, that made me laugh a lot um because because yeah, Adam Driver is just the better looking, taller version of Noah Baumbach. Ultimately, um, no, I. Can't I've got a quiz that. for you. Okay, let's do it. How well do you know Nick Miller from New Girl? <laughs> yes. Okay. Probably not as well as I want to. <laughs> what is the name of his zombie novel? A zombie. Is novel. it okay? Ah. Is it Zombie Zoo? Is it Zombies Attack? Or Z is for Zombie? Oh, that's a great question. Um, okay, sorry. Uh, I think it's Z is for Zombie. You're right. Okay. How long have Schmidt and Nick been friends when Schmidt throws them an anniversary in season two? Ten years. Damn, you that that I know for that one I know for sure because there's some amazing amazing wordplay because of the way that Schmidt says the word ten in that episode. Oh, Tinfinity. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, okay. 
What is the name of the protagonist of his successful book series? Julius Pepperwood. <laughs> You're right. What is the name of the bar Schmidt and Nick own? Oh, you might need to give O'Malley's, me some the Griffin, the Iron Glove, or Charlie's Pub? I think it's the Griffin. Jeez, you're fucking crushing this. Who does Nick not date in season one? Julia, Caroline, Amanda, or Jess? Jess. That's not until great season... Job. That's like mid-season two that they kiss for the first time. That's a great episode. Where is Nick from? Chicago. Chicago? Oh. He's a Bears fan. He's got a helmet. It's a whole thing. Yeah. The gift says, thin crust pizza? No, thank you. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> Which does Nick believe in? Dinosaurs, washing towels, peeing in pools, or the moon landing? Peeing in pools. <laughs> There's, at one point, he's like, something about... Because he's using Schmidt's towel and he says something about it. He's like, you don't wash a towel. He's like, you're clean when you use it. It's so funny. Anyway, yeah, carry on. (laughs) You know, he's got some logic there. Uh Uh-huh. Who is Nick's friend he meets at the park? Okay. Tam, Twan, Trin, or Tran? I think it's Tran. Correct. What does Nick do when he's uncomfortable? Moonwalks, laughs, runs away, or changes the subject? He moonwalks. It's really funny. Because he's not good at it. Oh my god. (laughs) Which singer would Nick trust with his life? Beyonce, Celine Dion, Taylor Swift, or Kesha? I think it's Beyonce. Oh my god, you're right. I'm pretty sure, yeah, okay. You got 10 out of 10. Yes! Well, there we go. I guess I know Nick Miller pretty well. <laughs> Jeez, great job. No, he's, uh, he's a fun, fun character. Because there's a, there's a really great thing. Have you watched New Girl? Yeah. So the, the, run, the really great thing about him is that he passed the bar exam told everybody that he didn't and then just like didn't want to be a lawyer and he just felt it was easier to just be like i didn't pass the bar exam than to justify not wanting to be a lawyer and there's something about that that like he's a bit of a mess and he's got his like box of bills that he doesn't pay and like there's a whole bunch of things about him but there's something about that that i think is really really interesting that he's just like yeah i could i could do this job but i don't want to so i'm gonna do something else well, I think we're we're almost like socially conditioned to root for a person who rejects society. <laughs> yeah. Like we we all we all hate conforming so much, but all agree that it's necessary <laughs> that we love a character who's just honestly too dumb to care. <laughs> Yes, but not too dumb to care because he's not actually that dumb. He's just no, he's not dumb. He's just but he I makes mean, too he, dumb to care about society. He makes us think that he's dumb because it's easier yeah. than him having to justify the choice that he's made. Yeah, easier for us. Yes, not yes. easier for him. Yeah. Um. Do you yeah. have questions? I do. I have. Like, I have a few. 
Um, okay. So one question dun, 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 that I got was, um, okay, so which celebrity would you rate a perfect 10? And it doesn't have to be appearance-wise, because the justification here that I got was, I said Tom Hanks and Kristen Bell, because I think they probably don't do sketchy shit, and I generally like their product. So, like, who is that sort of... I guess a better way maybe of phrasing it is, if you found out that this particular celebrity was, like, gonna get cancelled... Problematic. Which, yeah. how would that... Like, which one would it be that would break your heart the most? Tom Hanks, for sure. I think we all got very scared when he got the Rona at the start, uh-huh. because it's just devastating. Yeah. Like, I I would cry even more every time I watch Sleepless in Seattle once a month. Like, <laughs> I like that you watch Sleepless in Seattle once a month, and I watch you got, You've Got Mail <laughs> once a month. It's unbelievable how you're a fan of that movie. It's such an inferior product. Ugh. <laughs> Makes me angry. Anyway, carry on. Um, for sure, Tom Hanks. I think another would be Patrick Stewart. Mm, okay, yep. And uh, Denzel Washington, probably. Mm-hmm. Also, like, honestly, Chris Evans. Yeah. I mean, and I, ugh, like, the fact that he's a Patriots fan is just, like, annoying enough. Uh, and a red but honestly, sports are sports, whatever. Like, sports aren't... <laughs> he did at one point in time say, though, that he was willing to overlook Tom Brady's, like, dumb political viewpoints because he was a Patriots quarterback. And I was like, Chris, I don't think that's how that works. No, I also think he wouldn't agree with that today. No, like, probably not. Um, he's just He's just pure. He really is. And whenever you see, like, videos of, like, him with his dog or whatever, like, it's just... Yeah, he's just a... Uh, seems like a very kind soul. I think I'd really be upset if they tried to cancel Sersha. I adore her. Yeah, yeah. She's she's a wonderful, wonderful actress, and it would really be heartbreaking for me for that. Okay. What are yours? Uh, Well, Tom Hanks is absolutely... I think Tom Hanks is, like, universally on the list. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know of a person... I don't know of a person who could say I don't like Tom Hanks. Like, how could you... How? How, how could, could you, you not, not like Tom Hanks? Um, so he's definitely on that list. I feel... I was thinking about Chris Evans, too, like, that same kind of way. Just because he seems to be pretty on the level about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think... I think, I think, like, Dave Grohl would be one that would probably... For sure. Pretty su- for pretty sure. Pretty suck. Um, f- for a whole bunch of reasons, but, like, I think he's been using his platform really well lately mm-hmm. um, to amplify things that need to be amplified, and so it would really suck if he was not um, on the up and up. Um, I was trying to think about, like... It was really interesting. I was trying to think about women, and I wonder, and, and then I got thinking about why I couldn't come up with the name of, like, a female celebrity that it would really bother me, uh, and it's because we treat it differently. Like, societally. In what way? Well, it just, societally, I think we treat the whole, like, cancel culture thing differently for women and men. Um, and I think men, like, male Like, women have to do a lot more to be canceled? I think so. And okay. from my from my perspective, I think they do. I don't know if that's necessarily true for everybody, but I think like with men, it's a lot easier to be like, just stop fucking being gross with women. Where mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where to me that would be like a, a no go. Like if all of a sudden like Tom Hanks was, you know, named and accused of um, 
sexual harassment, I would be like, well, that's the end of Tom Hanks. Like, I would just be... Yeah. Right? And so I was... I was, I was trying to come up with a reason why, and I don't really know. I also think that Seth Meyers would probably trouble me a lot. Um, yeah. If he was... If, if he was one of those. Because uh, I really like the stuff that he does. I think he's super funny. But uh, Andy Samberg is another really good one. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I really enjoy, like, the comedy that they do. But I also think, generally, from what we see, like, what they project, they seem to be pretty good people. Also, like, put into that category Leslie Jones. Oh, my God, yes. Yes, yes. That would be so, so upsetting if Leslie Jones did something that was worth canceling. I know. I know. Um, also, cancel culture is just like... It's so stupid. Um, speaking of, before, stupid. We, before we address the next question, have you seen those twins on YouTube reacting to um, Phil Collins in the air tonight? I don't know. Okay, I'll send you the link to the video. It's these these twins. I can't remember their names. They're from Gary, Indiana, and they do like music reaction videos. It is the most... They're like 20-ish, 2021. It is the most wholesome and pure thing. That I've seen in they've a really never long time. heard the song before. There's a lot of music that they've never heard. Um, I they they've been doing like so they did Phil Collins. They did like a Janis Joplin uh, reaction, which was really great. They did one. Uh, they did Jolene by Dolly Parton. Uh, they did uh, it was Jolene. So 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 good. Um, and one of the ones, one of my favorite ones, was when they did "Killing Me Softly" by the Fugees uh, because you know uh. how it starts. Yes. And then the beat drops. Uh, they were not expecting the beat to drop. Uh, and, like, just their reaction. Uh, they did Alicia Keys falling. And when she, like, went on a yeah. bit of a run, like, just their face. I'll send you a link. They're just the most delightful. And it's so fun. And Do they have, like... Ooh, hello, Taylor. Do they have, like, a mental age of seven, though? Like, what? <laughs> no, I... Like you're grown-ass adults who can vote and you don't know the Fugees? Like, uh, no, but I mean, if, but it, no, they're not that old. Like, I'm thinking about kids that I've taught who have, like, just recently graduated. There's a bunch of music that they've probably never heard. Because they don't listen to music the same, so. there's, they, they don't listen to music the same way that we listen to music, right? Like. But they've never seen TV and movies? No, but they have also never, they've never watched much music because there's no videos. Any, like, that, it's a whole different way of accessing right. music okay. now. Okay, I see what you mean, I see Right, and mean. they, they get it on Spotify and they get it whatever and then, then they just kind of go with it um but i'll send you a link and they're just so guileless and they're not ashamed at all that they've never heard any of this stuff and they have after they've heard some of it that they're like i'm sorry that we didn't know who this was um which i think is kind of cool but yeah it's uh it's been a fun little musical adventure for the last little while uh another question is what is the best interview question you have ever been asked uh i have no idea all of the interviews I've been on are like, what's your teaching experience? What's your, like, attitude towards culture, community cult- school culture? I don't <laughs> like, know if it was the best question that I've ever been asked, but the best answer I've ever given was, the question was, uh, what would your biggest supporter say is about you? Something, I can't remember the actual question. I was like... I was like, I don't know, we could call him and ask. <laughs> and everybody just kind of laughed. Uh, didn't get the job. But anyway, I was really proud of that answer. I it was really but that's because you're so fucking self-deprecating, Megan. <laughs> well, I don't know how to answer that question. That's such a weird thing. Like, I've never, you know, but I was like, I don't know, you can call my dad and ask. <laughs> like, he's probably on lunch right now. 
<laughs> and everybody just kind of laughed. And then I had an interview uh, last year for a, a thing at school, and one of the questions was something like, I can't remember how it was worded again, but it was about some kind of obstacle that I had overcome. And I was like, well, I slept through my alarm this morning uh, and I made it to work on time. So I thought I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> oh my and God. Everybody in the interview was just like dying. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's what you're going to get if you give me this job. This is how I'm going to be. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, another question from Jess. If people call and leave no voicemail or no text or no email, are you obligated to return the call? No. I don't even answer the phone anymore. Seriously? Seriously? In the last six months, the amount of spam calls I get every single day has made me just, like, not even... Mm -hmm. If my phone is ringing, I'm not even looking at it. Like, you have to text me first or after and be like, Please call or try to call because there's no, there's, I'm just ignoring every single phone call I get. Yeah. Like, it's, it's terrible. I've gotten them from all around the fucking globe. Mm-hmm. And so I never look at my phone. No, I find it really, I find it really frustrating too. Um, we got a question from uh, Fake Steinberg on Twitter, which just made me laugh. Um, and his question was... Something about Connor McDavid, but then I think he deleted it. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's too bad. Well, Fakie, I'm going to tell you, uh, what do I think about Connor McDavid? I hope he enjoys his golf season, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, oh, man. Oh, man. We're on a five-on-three, baby. Taylor uh, just drew a penalty. There we go. Okay, and I have one last question. It's a good question. Okay. It made me chuckle when I read it. Are you more attracted to Brad Pitt at 25 or 50? And whatever the answer is, is it even close? It's a great question. Oh, man, that's tough. So here's the thing. And I'm going to gonna put a, a... Like, are we talking... Um, what's the fucking movie with the women in the car? What? You know, you know the women in the car? Some when they drive movies? off the cliff? Yes, thank you. <laughs> he is... He is fucking pure as a baby's bottom in that uh-huh. fucking he movie. Sure oh my god. Is. Okay, so there's that. And then there's like Legends of the Fall Brad Pitt, which is like one of my favorite versions. Peak. Yes. But then this is the problem with the Brad Pitt question. Because I think right now is maybe when he's at his most attractive. See, I think he's extremely attractive in Curious Case. Yeah, he's you know he's also really hot, which is like such a bad movie. Meet Joe Black. You know what? I was just about to ask you about that because it's been on Netflix for a long time, and I couldn't remember what movie you wanted me to watch. If it was A River Runs Through It or Legends of the Fall, it's definitely A River Runs Through It. It's, it's not definitely me. A River it's Runs Through not Meet Joe Black. It's so bad. Is it? Oh, why it's, is that movie two and a half hours long? The premise was fine. I don't know. It's just not well. It, Isn't it, he I, like death or something? Yeah, like that? I shouldn't say it's so bad. That's not true. It doesn't. It didn't hold up well. So maybe to see it mm. for the first time, fine. But to watch it again, it like doesn't hold up very well. It's rough stuff. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, like this. <sighs> okay, Megan. Here it is. Here it is. Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> Thelma and Louise, Brad Pitt. Yep. Once Upon a Time, Brad Pitt. Yep. Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt. 
Oh, you have you absolutely have to murder Rusty. He's really hot really? in that movie, but you have to murder Rusty, I think. No, well, hang on, I gotta think about this for a second. Because you kind of want to fuck all three of them. It's very problematic. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um. Oh, shit. There's a joke about eating in Rusty that I'm trying to get to. <laughs> so here's the thing with Once Upon a Time. See, this is this is the problem with this question. I think he is absolutely the most attractive in yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. But his character is just like, there's no, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've watched it and I don't know if, are you going to watch it? I think I have to. Okay, so I won't say the thing I'm going to say, but because I don't want to spoil it for you, but, like, yeah, there's something about his character that I'm just kind of like, hmm. But, mm. but Rusty is, like, I don't know. He's just a smarmy asshole. He's so hot. I don't know if he is. I think Danny's the smarmy one. But he's so attractive. <laughs> You're so stumped. You've like this never all. been this No, it's before. so impossible. I think the answer to the question is like 25 or 50. It doesn't fucking matter, I think, is what is the answer to that you question. You take what you can get. Pretty much, I think so. I don't think there's a bad version of it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I had some down years when he was like with Gwyneth Paltrow, if you like look back at, you know, like premiere photos yeah. and stuff. But other than that, eh. Okay. Do you know what other movie is really attractive in? The Mexican. Have you seen that movie? I have, yeah. Yeah, he's super hot in that one, too. Um, Honestly, I thought he was really hot in Babel. Yep. Yeah, no, he's... Like, I think just... Here's the thing. I think I could just (laughs) name a Brad Pitt movie, and he's probably hot in it at some point. (laughs) Don't think it matters. You know what? I did not think he was hot in Fury. No, fair enough. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or, or that one that he did on Netflix. Bastards. Or that one that he did on Netflix, that, like, weird war. war oh, one. War Machine or whatever. Which was, called. like, I kind of enjoyed that one, but no, he was not. There was there was some, some time there. But I think now, now that, uh, yeah, he's got his life kind of settled out, I think things are a little bit better. Um, I don't have an answer to the Fuck, Mary Kill. What about you? I gotta think about this. This is, like, killing me. Because I would, I would like to say that I'd like to fuck Cliff from um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But also, like, somebody has to die, right? So, I don't know. But you already said you want to kill Rusty. I think you have to. Every time you want to say you kill someone, and then you go and you change your mind. I think you have to, but I think, (laughs) but see, I think you, but you can't marry any of, like, Rusty's probably also the most marryable. Like, this is the problem. This is really the problem. Because what's his face from Thelma and Louise? You would not want to marry that. You would fuck that, for sure. But are you willing to kill Cliff? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I see if you had seen the movie I could say a thing and make a really good joke but you haven't seen the movie so I can't say the thing I want to say uh, um, see my problem is I keep thinking of other roles in which he's also extremely attractive <laughs> and then it just makes it harder Amanda sent me a thing and she was like you could instead of calling it fuck Mary kill you could call it fork spoon and knife and I was like she's so, she told me that too <laughs> I was like yeah you sure could you sure could. It means the same thing. It really does. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I think this is the first one where there's legitimately no answer. No. 
The only thing I know... I don't have an answer. The things I know for certain is you don't marry What's-His-Face from Thelma and Louise. You can't. Sure. Because it's just... You just couldn't. Um, you technically also can't marry him and Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that'd be so weird. Um, so you can't marry him from Thelma and Louise. I feel like marrying Cliff would be good for a while, but then maybe not. Uh, so you marry Rusty, but then you gotta deal with all that shit, and that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. I think you just fuck them all. Okay. And maybe keep their numbers in your phone. For just when you're yeah. <laughs> feeling that kind of way and yeah, need a I boost. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, I think that's the best you can do. In yeah. answer to the question that we were asked, though, I think I, I think he's better looking now than he was when he was 25. No, I'm going young. But I don't think, but but it's not like, it is close. It's not one of those things where it's like, it's not like, um, I'm trying to think of someone else who's like really aged up well. Zac Efron, for example, way better looking mm-hmm. now than mm-hmm. when he, than like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, so it's not that kind of distance, I think. But I think I prefer the older version of Brad Pitt than the younger version of Brad Pitt. Well... There we you have it, folks. We just talked for like 10 minutes about how hot Brad Pitt is. How fuckable Brad Pitt is, <laughs> even today. I think it's a good place to wrap up. Um, yeah. Okay, so thanks for listening. You can find our things all over the internet uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. There's an email. Yeah. There's an Instagram. There's a Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> they all have the same name. There's a website, too. Um, There's a website. It might may or may not oh, get updated man. at some point in time. Who knows? Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. Dumpster.